I'm Alexander Price, and you're listening to Machine Elf Radio. This week's episode starts with the conclusion of my wonderful interview with Greg Shaw. I had such a great time talking to him. Um, and so in, in this part, he's going to give us some advice on how to move forward if you want to, um, you know, kind of dig in to studying Plato seriously as a sort of spiritual guide without necessarily being in a university program or a, you know, academic classicist who who studies Greek. And then after that, I'll come back and talk a bit more about how we're going to be moving forward with this on this show and kind of digging into it more and how listeners can uh, participate and be part of that and uh, read along with us as we're going to start giving it a try. And so for people who might be interested in uh, getting more engaged with that, would you recommend starting with Timaeus or with Iamblichus or um, where, yeah. where, where do you break uh, well, in? Gosh, that's a great question. What if somebody's interested in Platonism as a spiritual practice, where would I begin? Well, the dialogue I have my students read, undergraduates, um, with me is the symposium, sure. which is a, a dialogue you're not supposed to read in the curriculum until much later on. But I, I provide them a sketch of this Platonic worldview that I just talked about with you as a kind of framework in which then they can imagine what goes on in the, in the symposium which emphasizes the importance of eros or desire in in our experience and how that's really the vehicle that takes us from our state of being an isolated individual to being connected with the all. So the symposium is great that way. Um, Plotinus is almost without parallel as um, somebody who's able to articulate profound states of awareness coherently uh, I don't really think in the in the tradition anybody he's like a hundred proof um, Jack Daniels yeah. you know he's really really amazing but Proclus is he dilutes it a little bit with with um, it's it's an easier uh, um, to take Proclus because yeah. he's a little bit more talkative and and um, he's he's more interested in, in making it uh, logical and, and and tying everything together. So maybe I would I would encourage somebody to begin with Proclus, um, but then Proclus is is writing commentaries on Platonic texts. So ultimately, you would not want to read the Platonic texts too. Yeah, um, and it's a little hard to read them all alone. I think it's almost by nature, uh, and this is where colleges and PhD programs and so on are valuable because they set up a community where you're re- reading texts with other people. Yeah. And, and I think you don't need, you know, the university of this or univer- university of that to do it, but you do need other people. Yeah. And so um, get about three or four people and say, okay, let's read, let's read uh, the Timaeus together and see what we come up with. Um and just go through it slowly and talk about it. and Or read the, the Phaedo, um, the story about when Socrates is talking to his friends about the soul's immortality. And he about, he's going to drink the hemlock. Um, and, uh, you know, read, read some of these texts together and see what you come up with. Mm-hmm. I think one of the 
best people that I read to help me not screw Plato up and not read him through an Aristotelian kind of uh, perspective, which is how he's read by a lot of people, is uh, John Findlay, F-I-N-D-L-A-Y. He used to teach at BU, and um, he's got a wonderful book that's pretty introductory to um, how to read Plato. And he's good. He's really good. Um, I'm not sure the title of the book, but it's it. It's um, John Findlay has some really good books on on how to read Plato. Great. I do. I do get the impression that Plato is easier to read than Plotinus. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. <laughs> without a doubt. Well, Plato's a masterful. I mean, you know, he was going to be a playwright, and then Socrates said, you know, throw that shit away. You're not going to be a playwright. But I think that that impulse to write plays then just got channeled into his dialogues, which are philosophical plays. Yeah, I did not know that about him. Yeah, he wanted to be a playwright. Um, and so it, it, dialogues are, are, in a sense, dramas, uh, uh, philosophical dramas. Yeah, well, and uh, um, I'm told that the origin of Greek religion really does... Uh, is it the, the origin of religion lies in the theater or the origin of theater is in Greek well, religion? The, I mean, theater but, is really, um, it is a religious institution at the very, at its roots. And the god Dionysus was right. the overseeing god of the theater. And yeah, theater is religion. I would say, and I tell my students at the Catholic college I teach at, that every time they go to a mass, that's a theater, you know? And they're watching a production, a play, mm -hmm. in which they're invited to become actors in it. You know, it, it is theater. And if religion really works, if ritual really works, then the theater is alive, you know. And my impression is that the uh, uh, mystery cults, the mystery religions uh, in ancient Greece involved a lot of uh, theatrical, I don't know, that a lot of the... Uh, Stories were transmitted through theatrical productions, but also uh, that were in some, you know, interactive in a way that that the people who were being initiated were also participating in the. Yeah, the I think in absolutely. And what's interesting is that Plato, then, who's totally aware of of, like, say, the Eleusinian mysteries, which were the fundamental mysteries in the in the Greek world, um, maybe to some degree the Orphic ones too, but they're a little bit more mysterious. He he said that. The philosophic tradition was a way of of um, e of enacting the mysteries because the mysteries were supposed to bring a person into a kind of experience of death and rebirth. That's the whole idea of the mysteries. That's an initiation. Initiation is to die and to be reborn, to be transformed. And then Plato basically said, "That's what we're doing in my philosophic school," and through dialogues and through this kind of reflection. Um, uh, and through talking, that we can strip ourselves of the life that we think we have. That life can die, a psychological death, and we can wake up to this larger identity that we have, which is what I was talking about earlier. So Plato basically models his tradition on the mysteries themselves, which are death and rebirth process. So you're right. Uh, in in your instinct about uh, theater, um, but Plato is easier to read than Plotinus, yeah, <laughs> um, for sure. 
Um, you know, uh, there's a lot of different dialogues that are appealing, like the philebus is what's what's better for us, pleasure or knowledge, you know? And they, they think it all through in, in, in an interesting way. Um, they come up with a compromise. <laughs> it's a little bit of both, you know, it's the best. Um, but you can you can imagine yourselves, and even even the Republic with its um, uh, image of life is really like living in a cave where we don't really see things as they are. Plato is inviting us to see that the consensus reality that we're identified with is illusory in some fashion, and that we need to be pulled up out of that cave and wake up. And um, it's that being pulled out and waking up process that's the real challenge um, in any spiritual tradition, I think. But, but in Platonism, certainly, it's the, it's the challenge. So that was the first interview with Greg Shaw. It was really such a pleasure. And um, at the end of this episode, I'll give a little guidance for anybody who wants to follow along with us as we're moving forward and starting to uh, look up, look at some of Plato's writings more closely. But I have a little bit of extra time here at the end of this episode, and I got a request from somebody on Reddit who wanted to hear a little bit more about my own uh, spiritual path, my my own background, and so I thought I would take this opportunity just to say a few words. I'm a pretty open book, and I think that I'll be happy to go ahead and make a, a whole episode about this next week. I love talking about myself. If people want to hear it, I'll talk. I'll I can uh, talk for half an hour about that, no problem. But um, but I think like the important parts to know are that uh, are that I used to be a dancer, and that was kind of where I got my start in. Um, I guess what I'd call spirituality or religion, religious practice, mysticism even. One of my first dance teachers was a a, a Dominican friar, uh, which is a Catholic order. The The Dominicans are the order of preachers, and he was uh, uh, from Baja in Mexico and uh, a dancer, you know, one of my early dance teachers, and he considered dance to be his form of preaching. And so right from the beginning, I had that idea that what I was engaged in was a form of spiritual practice, and I would even today call it a, a form of yoga. And I had um, one of my first spiritual experiences actually in his class when one of my friends and I had been uh, up all night uh, doing acid, and uh, we were mostly sober, but uh, I had been coming to his class for for a while now, so I knew his choreography and um and and I knew the structure of the class so I, I was confident that I could uh, uh do a perfectly fine job and I felt you know not tired at all so we went to class and and he had given us this combination that I knew already so I didn't have to think about it I think that was an important uh component of what I experienced was that like my body I had already had the memory, the the muscle memory of how to perform this um, this choreography he was giving us, and I was uh, dancing across the floor, and I just had this moment where this electricity shot up my spine. I mean, now I would even want to even call it something like light up my spine into my brain and I just had this beautiful blissful moment where I felt not only so graceful but 
so alive and so grateful to be alive. I mean, this is so long ago now. I must have been uh, maybe 19 years old. So, yeah, it had to be 1993, 94, 95, somewhere in there. So I'd have to really sit and concentrate at this time, at this point, to like uh, try and resurrect all of the details. But I just remember that something happened. Something happened there that uh, that changed me profoundly. And retrospectively, like I, I uh, considered a sort of Kundalini experience. I didn't think of it at the time in this way, but I'm, I imagine like actually uh, the the breathing from uh you know performing some technical choreography might have even contributed to it and just uh um being in that open sort of space mentally there's so many stories so many stories to tell i'm just giving you the short version you know i moved to new york city in 1998 and i got into a professional training program at the alvin ailey dance theater their school there uh what that means is like a professional training program means that i would go show up to my first class at 7:30 in the morning and i would dance all day in cl- different classes until 7:30 at night that was what my first uh whole year there looked like um my schedule but uh uh but th- that's what a professional training program looks like at Alvin Ailey. And um, it was the happiest time of my life. And um, and I've always been a big reader. Around that time, I found Robert Anton Wilson. And I found Osho. And through Robert Anton Wilson, I heard of uh, Idris Shaw, who was a writer, I think, in the 1950s in America. I think it actually looks like he was born in India but he he had an Afghan background and grew up in England. Anyway, it's not important. Um, I was, you know, I did I did uh, read twenty twenty five of his books in uh, a short period of time, and then found a Sufi sheikh in New York, and that was the beginning of a really long journey. I was with the the Sufis like actively. Uh, a, a dervish in in the order for about six years um and i can tell you more about what that means maybe next week and mostly after that i've been very involved in tibetan buddhism uh, i'm a practitioner in the sakya lineage under sakyatrism rinpoche um although i have a lot of other uh, commitments also that's a huge part of my life and it's always going to be now because I have, you know, lifelong commitments that like this is I'm I'm part of that group. And I study Judaism. I spent a year recently on a fellowship from Harvard in Israel studying Kabbalah. And while I was there, I was fully observant, at least in the sense you know of keeping kosher and keeping Shabbos and keeping all the holidays, which is a lot. Anyways, that's sort of a hyper-condensed version. I don't know if that's interesting to anybody, but I do have some really nice stories, and I'll try and uh, share them with you next week, or some of them. But I think one of the most important uh, details is just that I... um, Osho Rajneesh really was kind of my first real guru, guru. 
I never met him in person, but uh, I fell madly head over heels in love with him, you know, through his his talks and um, and his ideas have, you know, really shaped the trajectory of my whole spiritual path, I think, Um, especially the sort of perennialist or uh, um, like the, 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 the concept of sanas and dharma the the eternal truth that uh that he said that you know it's uh, it's not important to find the one true religion that's not what it's about it's about finding an enlightened teacher that you can connect with and devote yourself to and um and that there are enlightened guides everywhere not everywhere, but you know that uh, um, that there there are genuine enlightened people who aren't only Muslim or only Jewish or only Christian or only Buddhist or or this or that 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 that's not what it's about. Um, that there's uh, some other experience that um, each of those is just an expression of one reality, and I really took that to heart, and I still believe it. It doesn't mean that all the religions are the same. But I do believe in the existence of a, a sort of network of enlightened people on the planet who, if not necessarily identical, you know, but uh, at very least operating from a spirit of cooperation. So yeah, I'll be happy to tell to tell more about the actual plot of my um, background next week. But um, but in the meantime. Here's a few words on joining us for the upcoming um, project of of diving into Plato as a a spiritual guide. So moving forward, I have uh, my friend Corey was on the show recently on episode 11, which was where we talked about Eleusinian mystery initiations and alien abductions. And so he's going to be coming back and joining us, uh, Greg and I, and also uh, another friend of mine named Isabel. She wrote her uh, undergraduate dissertation at Barnard about the Timaeus, and we're all going to be coming together in mid-December to discuss the Timaeus. And so the the translation that I use, if anyone wants to kind of uh, read along or join join in this uh journey with us because it looks like hopefully it's something that we will be able to keep uh, uh, doing maybe once a month I'm hoping Uh, just keep reading through starting with Plato's Timaeus and seeing where it goes from there the translation of Plato that that I use is in the the Plato Complete Works which was edited by John M. Cooper so yeah, I'm excited to be jumping into this project uh, and excited to see where it's going to go. And uh, yeah, really, if anybody is interested in, in uh, following along uh, as we start uh, kind of digging into um, the actual work of Platonism as a spiritual path in practice, um, all you really need to do uh, is is find yourself a translation of the Timaeus and then there are plenty of tools online if you're going to try and look at the Greek in any way, if you are able at least to like read Greek letters. Um, Perseus is, of course, the place to start, um, and, and, prob- and possibly even all you need. You can also download some wonderful, I think it's free, software called Diogenes, 
which is basically just uh, the whole Perseus website on your locally on your computer and, and uh, um, kind of laid out in a different way that I like I find super convenient yeah but again all you'd really need to do is uh, uh, try and read the Timaeus sometime in the next few weeks and then keep an eye out for that episode that's going to be coming up in about I'm going to say maybe three weeks uh, near the end of December with uh, Greg Shaw and then uh, our little applied Platonism study group coming soon Namaste, 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 Namaste,